Now we're looking tonight in the most, one of the most familiar chapters in the entire Word of God. And I want you to look in John chapter 3 and in verse number 1. The Bible said, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Look down in verse number 8. Jesus said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Look down in verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Let us pray. Father, we're so thankful tonight for all the good singing. Lord, we thank You for the good, happy spirit of rejoicing and praise and excitement among the people of God. Lord, we appreciate the pastor and what he said. And what a testimony to us all. Because we all at times need to get back on track. Help us all here tonight. Pull our attention in where you want it to be. Lord, grant liberty and power like I know that only you can. Bless all the visitors that have come. And then the faithful members. And Lord, we'll thank you for all that's accomplished. For without you, Lord, we can do nothing. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Imagine Jesus and His disciples after a full day of ministry. Here they're settling in for the night. And all at once they hear a knock at the door. And I can imagine Peter speaking up saying, Who in the world could that be at this late hour? I see Jesus walking over to the door opening the door, and there stands a man. A man by the name of Nicodemus. A man clad in religion, 
from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. This man, Nicodemus, his name means a conqueror. And certainly he was. Because Nicodemus had conquered poverty because he was a rich man. Nicodemus had conquered ignorance because he was a highly educated man. And Nicodemus had conquered evil because he was a very religious man. But ladies and gentlemen, hear me tonight. You may have conquered poverty and you may have conquered ignorance and you may have conquered evil and become very religious But except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is a conqueror. He's conquered a lot of things. But Paul said this in Romans 8, 37, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. You see, you'll have to have something beyond religion. You'll have to have something beyond education. You'll have to have something beyond money. You'll have to be born of the Spirit of God. Nicodemus has come to the Lord with questions. I believe Nicodemus is under conviction. If you'll notice how Jesus begins the conversation in verse 3, Jesus answered, And said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now folks, let's slow down. This is the first time that Jesus has ever spoke to Nicodemus. This would be a good time for old Nicodemus to hit his knees and to get saved by the grace of God. Do you agree? Do you agree when the Lord speaks to you, that's when you ought to get saved? But look at the response in verse 4. Nicodemus saith unto him, How? How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? You see, Nicodemus didn't get saved the first time the Lord spoke to him. Nicodemus says, how? As the Lord illustrates salvation with a birth, Nicodemus don't get it. Nicodemus can't understand. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter back inside his mother and be born again? Well, Nicodemus didn't get it. But aren't you glad that Jesus Christ didn't slam the door in Nicodemus' face. I'm glad he's the God of the first chance. But you know what, friends? He's also the God of the second chance. Whoop! Look in verse number 8. God illustrates with a birth in verse 3, but now He illustrates with the wind blowing. The Bible says in verse 8, the wind bloweth, where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whether it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. 
Now, how many of you agree, boy, that'd be a good place to get saved? Boy, that'd be a good place to get saved. Done heard the voice of God two times. But look at his response. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How? How can these things be? God done spoke to him twice, and he just don't get it. And I'm glad tonight that God is not only the God of the first chance, the God of the second chance, but guess what? He still don't close the door in his face. He's the God of the third chance. I want to preach to you a little bit tonight about Nicodemus and the God of the third chance. Would you look in verse number 14? He's illustrated with a birth. Nicodemus don't get it. He's illustrated with the wind. Nicodemus don't get it. But now look in verse 14. He's looking at Nicodemus with compassion and mercy and long-suffering. And he looks at this man clad in religion. And he says, Nicodemus, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now if you wonder what Jesus is doing, He's taking Nicodemus back in the Old Testament to Numbers chapter 21. Nicodemus was an Old Testament scholar. He was not saved, but he knew that Old Testament. And Jesus knew if there's anything Nicodemus would get a hold of, it was taking him back to a passage that he knew well. He's taking him back to the place in time where the people of God murmured, complained against God and against Moses. And God got fed up with their murmuring. God got fed up with their rebellion and with all their whining. And you know what the Bible says God did in Numbers 21? Read it when you get home. The Bible said God sent fiery serpents, poisonous snakes among the people. These snakes started biting the people. And people started dying. Can you imagine the ground covered in poison snakes? What if you glance down at the blue carpet tonight here at Reedsville Free Will Baptist Church and all at once the entire carpet in this building is covered in poison snakes. Can you imagine the fear? Can you imagine the terror? Can you imagine the outcry? I can't even comprehend that. But that's what happened in Numbers 21. People were being bitten by these poison snakes. And brother James, people were starting to die from the venom of those poison snakes. I can see Nicodemus nodding. Yes, I know that story. Yes, I remember that story. And then I hear Jesus say, Nicodemus, you remember what happened? I can see him nodding. Yes, God told Moses... There was a remedy. Moses said, God, what are we going to do? And then Moses was told by God, here's what you do. Take you a pole. And then I want you to fashion a serpent. It'll be of brass. 
Make it look just like those on the ground. And I can see Nicodemus nodding. He remembers the story. And God told Moses to put that snake, that brass snake on top of that pole and go out among the people and lift up that pole. And if any man, glory to God, if any man has been bitten by those poison snakes, all they got to do is behold the serpent of brass on the top of that pole. Nicodemus, I can see him nod, yes. Nicodemus knows the story well. And as people began to behold the serpent of brass upon that pole, the poison began to leave their bodies. Imagine this, a teenage boy. We've got a lot of teenage boys here tonight. Imagine a teenage boy just got bit by a poison snake and his temperature is rising and he's starting to sweat and he's starting to swell. That venom's like fire going through his veins. His eyes are getting glossy. He's foaming at the mouth. That poor teenage boy, he's almost gone. But all at once, here comes his mama And she grabs him by the shoulders. And she shakes him and says, Son, there's a remedy. Son, look on top of that pole. And if you'll look on top of that pole, you'll be okay. Son, this worked for your mama. I was bitten too, but I beheld the serpent on the pole. And God gave me life. Oh, can you see that teenage boy as with all of his strength opens his eyes, he sees a blurry Moses out there and his weak eyes begin to climb the body of Moses and then begin to climb Moses' arm and then his eyes go up that pole and all at once his eyes fasten upon that serpent and guess what happens? His temperature starts going down. Of a fire of venom going through his body is beginning to decrease. The swelling's going down. Things are getting clearer. And it's all because he beheld that serpent on that pole. Boy, this has got a hold to Nicodemus. You know how I know? Verse 4, he says, How? Verse 9, he says, how? He ain't saying how no more. This third chance got Nicodemus' attention. This third chance, and then Jesus really drove it in here. He says, you know the story, Nick. He said, the same way that Moses lifted up that serpent in the wilderness one day, I'm going to be lifted up. And I'm going to be lifted up so that whosoever believeth on me shall not perish, but have eternal life. Brother, there ain't no better news that's ever been spoken. But thank God tonight the cross is still powerful. And the blood of Jesus 
can cleanse you from all your sin. You might be sitting here tonight. He spoke to you before. He's gave you another chance. I don't know how many chances He's going to give you, but here you sit tonight getting another chance. And what you need to do is quit fooling around and quit putting it off. Today's the day of salvation. And now is the accepted time. I love this story. But let's fast forward this story. Three years. Jesus is not in a house at night, but now He's in a garden called Gethsemane. Gethsemane means a wine press. It's there at Gethsemane that the Lord would pray in such intensity and in such agony that He would sweat blood through the pores of His body. Now if you don't believe that, I can't help you. I'm a Bible believer. I believe He was under such stress, such a load, such a burden, that He began to sweat blood through His pores. If you wonder what all the pressure's about, I'll tell you what the pressure's about. Jesus is beginning in that garden to take upon Himself the sins of the whole world. You know, there's 7 billion plus of us on this earth today. Can you imagine if every one of us committed one sin and all 7 billion sins are falling on Jesus? You've got to say that's heavy. But folks, that's not accurate. Because it's been estimated that a hundred billion people have lived since the beginning of time. And what if all 100 billion committed one sin? Can you imagine the weight of a hundred billion sins? You wonder why sweat blood? But still, that's not accurate. Because man did not commit one sin but many sins and multiple sins and hundreds, yea, thousands of sins. And all that weight is on Jesus as He prayed in that garden and He began to sweat blood. Boy, I could stay a while there, but I hear a crowd coming in the distance. I see lanterns. I hear swords clanging. And I hear voices the best military effort they had. The special forces of that day, they would be like Navy SEALs, Army Rangers, Delta Force, Marines. I'm talking about the best are coming to get Him. And I can see them as they come into that garden. They said, we seek Jesus. He looked at the best military could offer. And He said, I... Am He. Woo! And when He said those words, that whole military force fell backwards on their backs. 
If you wonder why he did that, I'm getting ready to tell you. He's letting that crowd know, I don't care how powerful you think you are, if I go with you anywhere tonight, it'll be because I choose to go, not because you making me go. Aren't you glad they didn't make him do nothing that he didn't want to do? Somebody ought to shout amen. Woo, hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. That's my Jesus. Let me tell you about my Jesus. All he's got to do is say, I am, knock down Delta Force, the Marine Corps, and Army Rangers and Navy SEALs by just saying, I am He. Boy, I'm glad I know Him. Woo! And I'm glad He knows me. You know, we've just been bragging on Jesus through this meeting. That's one reason it's been so good. Hallelujah. I... You know, I hate to get off track, or, but I want to follow God. You know, I told you about a little girl who didn't have a chance. She was wicked as wicked could come, but God saved her. Made a great Christian out of her. But here's the other side of the pendulum. This guy here didn't grow up in that kind of lifestyle. Nicodemus was re- religious, and man, he, he was had all the credentials of religion, not like Mary who had nothing. But you know something tonight? Jesus can save the most vile. And Jesus can save the most religious. And that's what He did for Mary. And that's what He did for Nicodemus. Well, we know Judas betrayed Him. i got to move on. So when they finally got up from laying on their backs... (laughs) Woo! Glory to God. That's my Jesus. Amen. You're talking about power. That's what you call power. I don't care what you bring at Him, man. He's got all power. Now that military force had some power. But Jesus has all power. Well, I don't know what the conversation must have been, but it must have been something like this. Sir, would you you go with us? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, they led him to Praetorium. Pilate's Hall. Jesus has already let everybody know that whatever is done to me is done to me because I choose to let it be done to me. Briefly, I'll mention what happened there. They stripped him naked. Tied his hands together tied his hands to a post up above and stretched his body as he stands on his tiptoes on that marble floor. His back, his buttocks, the back of his legs facing those observing. Here comes out Roman lictors. They're torture experts. When they wanted to make an example out of a notable prisoner, they'd bring out two soldiers. Both of them had a flagellum in their hand. It was a short whip that had nine tails. I have a replica of that. It's a little short whip, which means when they beat him, Brother Jimmy, they had to get right on top of him. It was not like that long cat of nine tails reaching out. No, these guys had to get right on top of him. 
One would be right-handed, the other would be left-handed. And almost like a demonic rhythm of a beating of a drum, they come across the naked body of our Lord Jesus Christ. The bloodier, the better. These were torture experts. With every lash, they would open His body. Blood, flesh and fluid would fly through the air as they brought back that whip and then the other would come down. They beat Him. They beat Him mercilessly. They beat Him and beat Him. They beat Him so badly that if you would have known Him, you wouldn't have recognized Him. They beat Him so bad. They beat Him so bad that His very internal organs were starting to protrude through His body when these men were exhausted. Now the Jews had a law that 40 lashes was all a prisoner could receive under Jewish law. But Romans had no law. Their law was beat them till you're exhausted. And they beat Him, and they beat Him, and they beat Him, and they beat Him. He's standing now in a pool of blood, flesh and fluid, as He's been beaten to a bloody pulp. They untie His hands. They got some special things they want to do to Jesus because they hate Him so bad. They tuck Him down from that pole. And here they come with a scarlet robe. They said, oh, you're a king and you're naked and you're bleeding. You need a robe. I see them wrap that red robe around the ripped up body of Jesus Christ. Then someone says, oh, you're a king. Where's your crown? We'll make you one. Here they come with a crown of thorns. Those thorns eight inches long, razor sharp. And they come down on His brow and blood begins to cover His face. Oh, you're a king. We've got you robed. You're a king. We've got you a crown. Now you need a scepter. So here they come with a reed and put that reed in His hand. And they walk by Him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They mocked Him. Can you see the red robe getting redder and getting redder? as that blood is absorbing in that robe. At one point during this torture, they made a blindfold and they put it over His eyes and they came by and with the palms of their hands, Jesus standing there bleeding, blindfolded, a crown of thorns on His head, His body ripped to shreds, here they come! And they're hitting him in the face as he's blindfolded. And they would laugh. And they would say, Hey, you're a prophet. Prophesy who smote you. But friends, he knew who smote him. But I'm so glad he didn't stop. I'm so glad he went all the way. And if you've ever felt unloved, if you've ever felt unwanted, If you've ever felt like nobody cares, let me tell you about my Jesus. Because that's what He did for you. And that's what He did for me. When they get done mocking and having their fun with Jesus, something's happening to that robe. You ever wrapped up a wound in gauze? 
and that gauze descend into the wound and dry, then you got to rip it open to get it off. Can you imagine his whole body's just ripped open and that bloody robe, like a supersized gauze, has gotten into all those wounds and it's dried. And can you see them as they come up behind him and they just rip it off of him, opening all that back up again. The next scene, he's leaving Praetorium and they have his cross. Now, I know Simeon helped him, but John makes it clear that Jesus bore His own cross. I believe that. Now friend, if you don't believe that, me and you might not get along. I believe that Jesus bore His own cross. It was called, Brother Jimmy, the road to Calvary was called the Via Della Rosa. It was a 600 yard journey from Praetorium to Calvary. Six football fields, uphill, and Jesus bearing that cross. You talking about a trail of blood. My, what a trail of blood. Well, at Luke 23, the Bible says, when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified Him. Can you imagine these skilled torture experts Nailing criminals to a cross, knowing how to fight a criminal, knowing how to wrestle a criminal down and get him nailed to a cross. You'd have to say that would be some kind of a job, but not so with Jesus. I see him straddle that cross. I see him sit on that cross. I see him put his hands in place. I see him put his feet in place. They didn't fight him. They didn't wrestle him because as a lamb before his shears was done, he opened not his mouth. He put his hands in place. He put his feet in place. He allowed him to drive the nails in his hands and his feet. Could somebody say glory? Jesus Christ did that for you. He did that for me. I grew up on a farm digging fence posts. I remember lifting up a heavy locust post. Hearing it fall in that hole. Can you imagine the weight of the human body? The weight of that cross estimated 15 feet high. And can you see Him pushing it up? that sound. Jesus, can you see Him trembling and suffering on that cross? So much I could say. But when we come to the end of the crucifixion, and I'm trying to get somewhere, but when we come to the end of the crucifixion, I told you a little bit about it last night, when Jesus said it's finished, and He gave up the ghost, His body fell lifeless on that cross. For the first time, the Son of God is dead. Dead, hanging on that cross. People start leaving. John escorts his mother away. Haters, spectators, passerbyers are starting to leave. And the only one left there at the cross 
is the girl from Sin City. They just can't pry her away from the cross. But I hear the sound of horses' hooves and chariot wheels. I can see dust on the horizon from the cross. And I see two of the finest horses and finest chariots known to man. And they're ridden in on by a man named Joseph of Amarathea. And guess who the other was? Nicodemus, which came to him by night. Whoop! Glory be to God. You know what Joseph's job was? He provided Jesus a tomb because he only needed to bar it. Say amen. But Joseph, whoo, glory to God, had him a tomb. But Nicodemus had some stuff too. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But can you imagine when they dismounted those chariots and they walk up to that bloody cross and that bloody body? Maybe one lays their hand on the shoulder of the girl from Sin City and says, Mary, you're going to have to back up. We've got to take down his body now. Can you imagine what a scene? Two wealthy men climbing up either side of that cross and starting to disattach his hands. I can see Joseph climbed up there and gets that hand loose and that old, that old bloody arm just fell across his shoulder. I can see him look over at Nicodemus. Nicodemus, go ahead. And he starts doing the same thing. And then that bloody arm falls over his shoulder. They begin to climb down. Can you imagine what a sight as his body begins to fold over as they climb down? The weight of his body is on their back and now they're at his feet trying to get his feet disattached from that cross. They got him loose, Brother Jimmy, and Nicodemus had brought some grave clothes and he'd brought some myrrh and aloes. The Bible made it clear he brought a hundred pounds. What about that? A hundred pounds. That makes me curious. How much do you need? How much do you need? Guess how much it takes? One pound. Only takes a pound. But he brought a hundred times what was necessary because he loved him so much. I told you about Mary brought a $50,000 gift. What about Nicodemus? The value of his gift was over $200,000. And he brought all that myrrh and aloe to prepare the body for burial. You know, I believe tonight when Nicodemus first cast his eyes on Jesus on that cross, can anybody think of where his mind went to? He told me this. He told me this. That one day he'd be lifted up. And I never dreamed that I'd be called upon to help take him down. Oh, is this holy ground or not? Well, you know the story. They wrapped him in the grave clothes. They're headed to the tomb. And if there's ever been a bleak picture, when they rolled that stone in front of the mouth of that tomb, buddy, that's bleak there. You can't see, you can't even see Jesus now. He's hidden by that, by that massive stone. Yes, it was bleak at the cross. Yes, it's bleak in the tomb. Day one goes by. 
Nothing's happening. The devil's having a party. Day two goes by. Nothing's happening. The devil's having his day. But on resurrection morning, something happened in that tomb. Thank God Jesus got up. I said He got up, unwrapped Himself of those grave clothes, and He came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I didn't tell you this last night because I wanted to save it for tonight. But when Mary Magdalene went in that tomb and she saw all that in that tomb, the first thing she saw was the stone was rolled away. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but the stone was rolled away to let us in. So we could come see the place where the Lord lay. Now some of you might be skeptical. How could the Lord come through a sealed tomb? How could the Lord come through a sealed tomb? Well, 33 years ago, He came through a sealed womb. What about that? Hey, hey, He ain't even got born yet. He's coming through a sealed womb. After the resurrection on a Sunday night, am I right? The disciples were gathered on a Sunday night and the Bible makes it clear the doors being shut. Then appeared Jesus. See, He came through a sealed womb. He came through a sealed room. Had no problem with a sealed tomb. Because that's my Jesus. Just let me tell you about my Jesus. Woo! Could I preach a little bit about the resurrection? Just a little bit. You know, there were at least nine people in the Bible that got raised from the dead. Well, there's something different about their resurrection and Jesus' resurrection. Because every person in the Bible that ever was resurrected from the dead, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, they had to have a resurrector. Whoop! <laughs> they had to have somebody to raise them up. But Jesus said, hey, I got the power to lay down my life. I got the power to take it up again. He needed no resurrector. Yeah, it's time to shout right there. And you know, number two, every person that ever raised from the dead in the Bible, guess what happened to them immediately? Their bodies began to decay immediately. You know why they're quick to get your blood out of your veins and get embalming fluid? Because you'll start swelling, stinking, and rotting real quick. Well, that's what happens when a human body dies. Except Jesus. The Bible makes it clear that when He died, His flesh did not see corruption. And in the grave on resurrection morning, His body was just as fresh as it was when they nailed Him to the cross. Can somebody say amen? Let me tell you about my Jesus. But not only did every other person have to have a resurrector, every other person their body started immediately decaying. But guess what? 
every other person that ever raised from the dead in the Bible, guess what? They finally died again. (laughs) Jesus said, I am He that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore. I'm alive forevermore. He said, I'm alive forevermore. I'm alive forevermore. He's not going back to the grave. Thank God He's come out of the grave and He's alive forevermore. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. Nicodemus, it made a believer out of him. Long ago in an old tent revival, boys and girls, a little old eight-year-old Don Anderson, freckle-faced, country boy, grew up in a holler by the branch. And I went to an old tent revival and little Don Anderson met Jesus Christ. They said there was 13 of us that got saved that night. Somehow I wound up on the end and I looked at all of them. I remember it like it was last night. They all looked bigger than me. I was just a little old fella. I don't know what happened to the rest of them through the years, but I know what happened to me. And what happened to me is still holding good. Over 50 years later, it's still holding good. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Nicodemus didn't get it the first chance. And I'll be honest, most of y'all didn't. How many of you, the first time the Lord spoke to you, you didn't get saved the first time? Raise your hand. Just about everybody here. Just about. Aren't you glad He didn't slam the door? Gave you the second chance, maybe the third, maybe more. With Nicodemus, we know it was three. Tonight, it's no accident that you're here. And it's no accident that I'm preaching what I'm preaching on here tonight. And I believe God is giving somebody another chance.